Now, it's also a privilege today to continue the mini-series that we have going on that Bob launched for us last week on faithfulness to God's mission. So I wanted to start by um, drawing our attention to, to reinforcing what God's mission is exactly. So we, we have an idea, and we just remind ourselves of what we're seeking to be faithful to. What we see in Scripture is ever since the fall uh, of mankind, ever since sin and corruption and death entered the world, into the world in the Garden of Eden, God has been at work reconciling and restoring all things back to himself. Of greatest priority to him and of greatest value to him is people. People restoring beautiful people made in his image that have been corrupted by sin and death and reconciling them back to himself and to one another. Hence the sending of his son Jesus, which through Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, he accomplished this redemption and reconciliation for all who believe. Now it's also important that we recall the words of Christ at the end of his earthly ministry, which is recorded for us in John 17, where he's, he's praying, he's comforting his disciples, and he's praying to his Father in heaven. And it's very interesting when you, when you hear and read his prayer in John 17, he, say, he makes it very clear, Father, I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, as you send me, have sent me into the world, so I send them. And he, and, he's, and he goes on to pray for all of us, for his saints, his, his disciples. He says, the glory with which you have glorified me and I glorified you, I glorif now glorify them. The unity that we have, now unite them as such. The love that we have shared eternally, fill them with that love for one another. The joy that I have with you, now fulfill them with that joy. It's very clear we see here Jesus extending his work of reconciliation to his disciples to continue here on earth after he departs and ascends to the Father, which he sits right now. We saw this just a few weeks ago. Remember when I preached on Matthew 28, we looked at the Great Commission, Jesus sending his disciples to move out into the world, making disciples of all people groups. We saw that he will be with us. So in other words, he sends his spirit to equip and empower his disciples for his work of advancing his gospel to reconcile all people back to himself, all for the glory of his, also for the praise of his glorious grace. You get the point? His mission, God's mission that he extends to his people to carry out until Christ returns and the end has come. This is really important, I thought, to start with because it's important that we understand God's mission because God's mission is the very basis and heart for our mission at Riverstone 
to advance the gospel by making disciples who make disciples. And last week, Bob did a great job reinforcing our mission by presenting a vision for our next phase of ministry in and through Riverstone. We will be committing ourselves in the, in the days and months and years ahead to strengthening evangelism and discipleship that results in maturing disciples and multiplying churches. We want to see more and more visitors and, 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 and members, non-members, community residents and neighbors, friends, family, coming to Christ and growing in Christ. And as disciples are made and matured, churches grow. So the logic goes like this. For us to be multiplying churches, we must first be maturing and multiplying disciples. For us to be multiplying churches, we must first be maturing and multiplying disciples. Two key words in that. Us and we. This is a collaborative effort. It must be. As Bob showed us last week in Acts 14, the importance of appointing elders in every church, we must not mistake the roles of elders for the roles of the body of Christ at large. It's the church body that was responsible for the rapid, spontaneous expansion of the early church. And that power and potential and privilege still lies in your hands. It is this concept of building the church together that I want to draw our attention to this morning. We'll be looking at a passage from 1 Peter. Ushers can, can distribute Bibles for those who are in need. Um, but before we begin with Peter's writings, there's one more foundational piece I want to draw our attention to. Uh, before we begin with Peter's writing to the early church, it's important that we recall where Peter gets his insight from, okay? Matthew records for us in his gospel account, you don't need to turn here because this is just brief, Matthew records for us in his gospel account in chapter 16, Jesus bringing his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them, so guys, who do the people say that I am? And they all start responding. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you, you, you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he says, now who do you say that I am? And scripture says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, there are a few leading interpretations here on, 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 uh, in, in, this, in this scripture passage that I'm not going to get into because it's not our point this morning, but it is important that we see Jesus explicitly saying here, affirming, I am the Christ, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus is on a mission to build and expand his global community of worshipers. This connection is important for us because a proper understanding of the church is rooted in a proper understanding of the Christ. First and foremost, I am the Christ. 
and I will build my church. What we also just reviewed is that he calls us to work with him. Together we build his church. Now today, Peter's going to serve as our architect. He's going to show us a blueprint for how we build the church of the living God together. If we are to make disciples and multiply churches together for the upbuilding of his universal church body, where do we begin? How do we proceed? What we're going to see here is that Peter's going to show us we begin and proceed with the word in worship and witness. The word in worship and witness. Let's say a word of prayer before we read. Father, thank you that you have called each and every one of us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Father, thank you that you have appointed us to be your hands and feet bearing your perfect gospel message, bearing your perfect holy name. And thank you that you have appointed us as, as your, your, your agents of reconciliation in the world, your ambassadors, uh, your, your, your workers, uh, advancing your gospel message throughout the world. And we pray that today, as, which we are so grateful for your word, we pray that you help continue to orient our minds um, to who you are, who we are in you, and what our function is in the world as you keep us here and empower us toward that work, Father. Bless your word as it goes out and press it upon our hearts, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start a couple verses uh, before what Ben led us in reflecting on earlier in the worship service. I'm going to start in 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 22. We're going to read right through to chapter 2, verse 3. Since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Peter says, since you first obeyed the truth, the truth of the gospel of Jesus, that is, and have cleansed your souls, renewed your hearts, become holy, now love one another from that cleansed heart. You can really love now. You. Even you. Because you've been born again. If you've tasted and taken hold of the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus. Peter says, you've been created new by a seed. And this seed doesn't wither or die. It lives forever. And this seed that was implanted in your heart is the very word of God, the word of the gospel 
verse 25 makes clear. And this word is alive, he tells us in verse 23. It brings with it eternal life. When this word was preached to you and took root in the soil of your heart, it brought new life. And like all seeds that take root in the soil, it doesn't stay buried, but it brings forth fruit. And what is the fruit of this seed? Verse 22, the truth or seed of the word cleansed your souls for the purpose of love, producing love. Love is the fruit of the seed of the gospel when it takes root. Now, there's a lot going on here. We see God producing worshipers of him through the preaching of his word. Paul confirms this in Romans 10. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. The Holland team can attest to this with the preaching of his word and the producing of new life. That's for you to ask them at a later time. We also see that as the word of the gospel gives new life, that new life shows itself in a special love and care for the brothers and sisters in the household of God. Now, we also see Peter saying in chapter 2, verses, verse 2, he says, now that word that gave you new life Long for it. Long for it. Like a, like a newborn baby longs for its milk day in and day out. And you keep that baby-like thirst strong throughout your whole life so that by it, the word, you will grow more and more into the glorious salvation that you received in Christ. Family, this is an extraordinary and spiritual work of God. How we grow spiritually exactly, it's hard to tell. But just as a baby takes in its nutrients, it doesn't tell itself, okay hand, okay leg, now grow. It just happens. So we, as we take in the nutrients of the milk of the word we don't just say okay you now grow be good be joyful but what we can see is that the more we take in the more we begin to see of him the more we begin to see of ourselves and then our thinking starts to change and our desires start to change. And the more we are cleansed, the more we are nourished as we pump His righteousness through our hearts and our minds. And then when hardships, temptations come, we find ourselves saying things like, I'm okay. I don't want that anymore. I don't need that anymore. That's not as attractive to me as it used to be. I'm surprisingly happy. My life is a wreck. Look at me. 
but I'm at peace. My heart was just torn out. And yet, there's still a joy that's lingering. Peter's saying, yes, yes, there's more, there's more. Drink, drink. Quick word on verse 1 here. Peter says, stay away from these things. They're like anabolic steroids, toxins. They'll stunt your growth. These things are superficial. Oh, they'll, they'll puff you up and rot your core. Doing steroids like these, gossip, slander, deceit. Oh, it'll make you look good for a short time. But drinking the pure milk of the word will make you become good forever. What you need is the pure milk of the word. Now, don't miss the picture we have here of a newborn baby dependent on its milk. We, too, are dependent on the Word of God to grow. This is the other side of the illustration. Don't expect to grow without ongoing intake of the milk of the Word. Stop drinking milk, you stop growing. God couldn't make this any clearer for us. He says, you drink my milk, I'll cause you to grow. Peter is showing us something very important here. The Word gives life and grows life. And that maturity and multiplication happens in the fellowship of the saints. Family, this is why we place such great emphasis on small groups and, and growth groups here at Riverstone. We want to see everyone committed in, in smaller communities, smaller, more intimate settings where we are giving and growing life in the Word of God alongside each other, encouraging one another in the faith, spurring each other on toward love and good works. If you have no small community of believers to grow alongside, a couple things to consider. Check out our group connect on August 25th when we have our, our annual church picnic. Find out the, 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 the various small groups and growth groups that, that would be available for you, for you to step into. Join one of our women's studies, one of our men's groups. Check out our large adult Bible study, which is uh, on Tuesdays, launching back up again in the fall. Family, we have avenues open for you. The question is, do you want to grow? Do you want to taste more and more of the freedom and strength and peace and joy of your salvation in Christ? Pastor John's going to continue the series and reinforce this vital aspect of church growth next week. Let's read the, the second half of our passage together. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. And coming to him, 
As to a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen? Okay, so we have another big image uh, illustration here. I hope it's clear. God sends his precious son, Jesus, to be the cornerstone of a spiritual house that he's building. To clarify, a cornerstone is a real thing. It is the first stone set for the construction of a masonry foundation. This stone is of chief importance for the building of the structure because all other stones will be added and placed with reference to this stone and thus determining the position and stability of the entire structure. When you leave the building today, you'll notice in the far corner of the building over here, you'll notice a little, a little square rectangle imprint in the building with Jesus' name on it. When I first saw it, I actually thought it was kind of weird. I was like, why is Jesus' name on the wall? But then it, then it, then it clicked. Oh, okay, Jesus, the cornerstone. So this is all symbolic. What we are saying is Jesus is the cornerstone of this household. But this is all symbolic for what Jesus is truly building. Namely, his spiritual household, his church the entire assembly of all true believers in all times and places. Remember Jesus' words to his disciples at Caesarea Philippi, I am the Christ, and upon this rock I will build my church. Peter says here in verse 4, and coming to him, Okay, so we can see the connection here with the verses that we just reviewed. And coming to him. This is the same as receiving the seed of the gospel. This is the same as drinking the milk of the word. You're coming to him. Why? Because the seed of the gospel and the milk of the word is about him. They are intended to lead us to him. You come to him, you turn from a dead stone to a precious living stone, just like him. And you are added to his household immediately. You become part of the greater body of worshipers or living stones. There's no place for a living stone over there in a bucket of its own. We'll get to that in a minute. You come to new life in Christ, you are placed and sealed into the house. And this is a spiritual house. 
We're not talking about physical buildings here, although we're using building imagery. Jesus says, you are my house, my body, my temple, all metaphors for my church. And I'm building you up. And you got to roll in this with me. Notice the Old Testament temple language here. Not only do you have a new status as living stones in my spiritual house, but you also have a function in my house. You have a purpose. He says, as I make you alive and place you into my body, my temple, you join all others that I'm bringing in so that, verse 5, you will be my royal priests. All of you. This is so interesting. We together are the temple and work the temple. Well, what are we to do? Look at the second half of verse four, verse five. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hmm. What's that? Verse 9 helps us. We who behold the cornerstone and do not reject him, we become God's chosen race, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his very own precious possession, and here it is, so that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is our function. This is our priestly duty, right here. Praise and proclamation, worship and witness. Worship and witness when we gather, and worship and witness when we scatter. Now, there are many other acts of worship and acts of service that Christians, that can be included in here uh, as Christians offer up spiritual sacrifices to God as we work the temple that is the body of Christ. For instance, uh, we, we intercede on each other's behalf in prayer. We preach, teach, minister the word of God to one another. We serve and love each other. But Peter is simplifying our duties here to worship and witness. Is he precious to you? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? If so, you will praise him. You will proclaim him. You will talk about him with others. You will tell people about him. You will talk about him in your houses and when you walk about your days, when you lie, when you lie down and when you rise up. If he's precious to you, if he's your cornerstone of your life. Let's take a moment now and reflect on the significance of this imagery that we have here. What Peter has just told us is that we are the church. We are the living temple of God. And that in us and through us, we radiate worship and witness. The implications of this are endless. But for this morning's concern, this must mean at least one very great reality that we have to acknowledge and embrace wholeheartedly. In Old Testament times, if you wanted to experience God, you would go to the temple. 
an isolated place in a, a particular location where at certain points and times you could go and experience God in several ways throughout the year. But now, in Christ Jesus, we're told that we are the place where we experience God. And not only for believers, but for the world. We together are the living temple of God. If someone wants to experience God, they come to us. This is why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you, plural, all of you, are a city on a hill shining brightly together so that people would stream from the dark desert that is the world to you and ultimately find me. He's not saying, now you run out there, go on now, you little lighthouses, you, and shine your little beacons. Now, that goes without saying. Each one of us in Christ radiate the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus' point in saying that is, in your assembling together as a living temple, my household, you shine in the world. You shine. So what does that mean for us? When you all, this is for those who believe in Christ, those who are seeking, those who maybe came as a visitor today with a friend, maybe someone's starting to entertain who this Christ is and the significance of, of, of the reality of his presence in, his, in our lives. Wherever you come from, when you step into a, 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 a gathering of believers, worshiping God together, loving one another, you experience something that is of God. You taste and see things about God. Now, this is not to say that we all like the taste of this experience or the smell of it. Some walk in to a gathering of believers and smell something like that of a dead carcass and reject it. Keep it all away from me to their own demise. Others enter into the gathering of believers and smell something like that of a fresh-baked pie in the oven. Where's that coming from? And you can't help but to work your way down front and center to our cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and take hold of him. And for those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you will likely come back. Hey, you're looking for your good. And that's okay. He is for your good. But you are very deficient. You cannot possibly see and experience the fullness of God on your own. In the illustration that Peter draws for us, I think Jesus is making it clear, when you're together, this is where you experience me to the fullest. How can you grow in your knowledge of God and fullness of joy if you're over there in a bucket of your own? You can't. Now, you might be able to know him in part. You might be able to 
have some joy in part. But I think it's pretty clear in Scripture that the fewer the stones around you, the less you experience Him and the fullness thereof. Think about it. Each one of us has a very, is, is, is closely connected to one another in Christ. And each one has a unique testimony and experience to how we came to Christ. And each one of us experiences God in extraordinary ways when he has healed us and restored us and reconciled us and helped us overcome and liberated us and comforted us and protected us and provided for us and sustained us. The list goes on. As we draw near to one another, the point is this. We learn more and more about each other in Christ, how we came to Christ, how we know Christ, how we live for Christ, which, which, which results in knowing more and more and more about Christ, seeing more and more facets of who he is, like looking through a kaleidoscope. The more people in Christ you get to know, the more you see of God, the more joy you will be filled I was just talking to Joe Howard last Sunday. You guys know Joe? You should get to know him. He's sitting over there. Sorry to put you on the spot, bro. Um, but I said, hey, let's get together sometime. We haven't spent any, 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 any quality time together, really. I, I'd love to get to know you more. He said, yeah, sure, I'd love that. And then he dropped this. You know, I used to come here all the time. And really just kind of coming on Sundays, going with the flow of things, just this is how I understood my Christian faith, just kind of coming on Sundays, going with the flow. He said, but then recently, I, I stepped into a small group. I got deeply connected with certain members. I've been digging in the world. It's been amazing. It's helped me so much. My marriage, our family, this is just, it's been so good. What was so cool to see in that brief moment was it was very clear what we're seeing here. As Joe took steps to drawing near to the body, deeper in the body, he's growing tremendously in Christ. And that joy was radiating in him. Last word on this point. Our connection to one another is not only in this church, but with every believer in the community, the state, the country, and the world. Let me ask you, have you ever befriended a believer from a different ethnicity or cultural background, from a radically different life experience than you? You want to talk about seeing more of God? It's wonderful. Let me put it another way. Have you ever had a conflict with someone's experience of God. Maybe their theology. Maybe how they understand God. Wait. Wait, hold up, wait. You, wait, you came to Christ how? Hold on. Wait, he did, he did what to you? Wait, um, hold on. He, he showed you what? He revealed himself to you? It, it, what? 
You ever have that conflict? If not, you're missing out. It's good for you. Someone once asked me here in this church, young guy, he said, hey, Austin, look, I've grown up in the church. I love the word. I'm always in the word. I'm always listening to sermons. I, I'm, I'm connected to a fellowship of believers. I mean, everything seems to be going well, but I feel like I'm missing something. I want to experience God more. What do I do now? I mean, not to mention that someone asked you a question like that, like you had little me experience God. Like, where do you even begin? Like, I don't even, but uh, in hindsight now, I'm actually grateful for, for, for whatever word came out, which, which looking back, I'm like, you know, as some things you look back and you're like, why did I say that? That was so stupid. Or like, that was misleading. But no, I was actually, I look back as I was writing this sermon, I was like, you know, that kind of makes sense here. I'm actually glad I said that. I said two things that I remembered responding to him. I said, I said, well, one, why don't you ask, ask God to, to ask God to grant you a spiritual breakthrough in an area of your life, or maybe someone, someone's life close to you, to liberate you from something, help you overcome something, uh, fulfill you in a certain area of your life, um, or maybe, maybe ask uh, for, pray for a spiritual gift that the Lord would give you to minister to someone's needs, and two. I said, now listen up. I said, be real intentional about getting to know believers from other ethnicities, cultures, backgrounds, and life experiences from yours. For there you will certainly see more of God. And I believe it. I believe it. Our hearts grow more worshipful toward God the more, we, the more connected we are to his body, the more we see and meet all the new additions to his body, the, 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 the new stones and some of the older stones, and, and we learn and listen from them and how they've experienced God, and new stones, fresh ones that have just experienced God in, in, in new and refreshing ways. It's, it's, this is how we worship as we see more. This, knowing other believers fuels our worship. As we get to know them, we see more and more facets of who God is and how he's working in the world. And this worship leads to witness. We will talk about him in the church body and in the world. I love how one commentator put it, Ed Clowney, when I was studying this passage, I took it, I said, you know, I'll share this. He said, the heart of evangelism is doxological. That means coming from praise. The heart of evangelism is doxological. Our praises to God bear witness to the world, he says. Peter has in view our praises to God here, but he is surely being mindful of the world around us. Our hallelujahs do indeed join the anthems of the heavenly host, but here on earth they're heard by our neighbors. They too are called to doxology. He says in the following section of this letter, Peter links the witness of our lives to the witness of our lips as we offer praise to God. He's referring to, which I'll just briefly touch on, the, the three verses later where Peter says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, that is, the world, so that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, 
as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. If I may now share an observation, we're all proclaiming things. Oh, yes. We hear you, preacher. We see you. We hear you loud and clear, and so does the world. With the extraordinary advancements and telecommunications and the boom in in a whole new world of media platforms, oh, we love to preach. Seemed like a wave of of moving came, (laughs) came across the room. The question is, what are we preaching? It's really sad that at this point, my stomach begins to turn very sour thinking of this reality. Family, what are you preaching in the private and public realm? Look at me! Look at my life! Listen to me! Look at my job! Look at my success! without any word of the one who gives you life and sustains your life. Maybe it's politics. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Without any word of the everlasting kingdom within which our citizenship lies secure. Social issues. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Possibly worst yet, arguing over theological matters, understanding God, or arguing over the church and how she expresses herself in different ways throughout the church, throughout the world. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Without any word of the unity that our beloved Savior purchased for us in His blood. What do you preach? Who do you preach? How do you preach? How is our conduct? Are we keeping our conduct so excellent in the world that when they hear you and see you, they might think, praise God. Or at least, maybe you are real. Or at very least, you know, I reject your message, but I appreciate you. Thank you for helping me see from a different angle. Look, Peter is writing to a body of believers in the midst of great social persecution. He and they understood cultural and religious tensions and opposition. Family, I have to say this. I have to say this in view of our increasingly contentious culture. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. Just because the world is spitting fire 
Let's not return evil for evil. And I get it. There is a lot in the world that makes me very angry. Very angry. But there's nothing new here. There's nothing new. In Acts 17, Paul, after some time in Athens, Scripture says his spirit was provoked, that is, with anger within him. And what did he do? Come, find out, this Saturday at the evangelism training. (laughs) No, all joking aside, we are having one. Um, But honestly, we, and we will be touching on that, we will. Honestly, we get that this can be a difficult culture and is a difficult culture to talk about Jesus, to share your faith in the world today. And, but we want to remember that nothing has changed, family, nothing. So we are committed to equipping one another with sharing our faith and engaging society's contemporary issues with the humility and hope of the gospel. We will continue to stay this course and provide trainings and seminars to help equip you with practical skills on on sharing your faith and talking about Jesus with those around you, family, friends, neighbors, coworkers. And all joking aside, this Saturday, I would encourage you to come out when we mix with Trinity International Church right here in the Woodside Room at 8.30. And we'll be touching on some of the things that, that, that we touched on today. Sign up online, but come out 8.30 this Saturday. And we're going to stay this course. You'll be seeing more and more moving forward. We want to, we want Riverstone Church to be a body of believers that radiates worship and witness to the glory of God. Amen? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. My bottle got excited. That witness, that, 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 that radiates worship and witness to the glory of God. This starts with coming to Jesus as the cornerstone of your life and growing together with the word in worship and witness. As we advance together with the word in worship and witness, we will certainly grow as a maturing and multiplying church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are so faithful that there is nothing new under the sun, that you have given us your spirit to equip and empower us for the work you call us to do. You don't send us out on our own. Help us embrace that wholeheartedly. Lead us in your word. Help us see the world through the lens of your word. Give us a compassion in our hearts for the lost and those around us in the same way that that Jesus has for us. Father, raise us up and send us out now as as humble servants and as, as bold as lions in the world that we would proclaim the excellencies of you who have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a good day.